Welcome back this evening. Please join with me in the scripture on the page that says Joshua chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23. I'll begin by refreshing our memory about the historical background of this well-known biblical character, Joshua. And to do that, I'll need to go back before he was born. Long before Joshua came on the earth, God promised that the descendants of Abraham would be granted the land of Canaan. The expression promised land is familiar to Bible readers and Bible students. And God kept that promise. Moses brought the Israelite nation after some trial and tribulation only so far around to the edge of the promised land. And then Joshua became their leader. And I'm sure you remember that it was not just a matter of walking across a border and setting up neighborhoods and farms and related commerce and economy and all that. There were battles to be fought, struggles to face by faith, land had to be cleared, tribes and nations, according to God's decree, had to be driven out. Joshua was the man to lead the nation in all this, lead Abraham's descendants over into this promised land that God had said he would give to them. And Joshua did that as he followed God's commands and was strengthened by God to face his responsibilities. Well, after a long career, you might say, we might expect retirement. Joshua didn't go into retirement. He did the work that God assigned to him without seeing any end to his duty to God. And before his death, Joshua wanted one last word to the people, to the leaders and for the people as part of his spoken legacy along with his influence to the people. We're in Joshua chapter 23. I'm going to read these 16 verses. A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and said to them, I'm now old and well advanced in years. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I've already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left. 
that you may not mix with these nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God just as you have done to this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. But be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. For if you turn back and cling to the remnant of these nations remaining among you, and make marriages with them, so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you, but they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord God has given you. And now I am about, the, uh, I'm about to go the way of all the earth, and you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord God has given you if you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given to you. Well, I, I don't recall how many times I've delivered sermons from Joshua chapter 23. And I'm really not concerned that I'll preach too much from this section of Old Testament history and from this text in particular in Joshua 23. But the approach I'm going to take this time is different from previous presentations. It has benefited me to prepare this material in this fashion and I always have the hope that the benefit that I enjoyed in preparation of the material will be a benefit to you. I want us to consider three things tonight. And this time I'm going to give you all the points at the beginning. They're all connected. Look back on God's works in verses 1 to 5. Hold fast to God's word in verses 6 to 11 and give heed to God's warnings in verses 12 through 16. In verse 3, mark that phrase, all that the Lord your God has done. Now, from a carnal, ordinary, earthly perspective, how easy would it have been for Joshua on this occasion to elevate himself and to ask for praise and to shout 
to the nation, look at what I've done. Where would you be without me? I whipped this nation and drove out that tribe and I led you against your enemies. However, juvenile, ill-bred boasting and bragging cannot be found in this man's speech. Rather, his emphasis is, look and consider what God has done. Now for us, shouldn't that be our humility? Isn't that what trust in God sounds like and will produce in our attitude and in our words? The value of this example is something we immediately admit as soon as we read Joshua 23. When there is good, even if we were leaders in the good and participants in the good and active and brave and courageous at the end of the process, we give all the credit to God. And we steadfastly resist any boasting even in thought, any victory speeches that seek praise and applause for us. Now, I know the Bible says in Romans 13, honor to whom honor is due. But I cannot bring myself to read into that great, magnificent award banquets and parades and trophies for people who simply did what God said ought to be done. And I'm not talking here about things like sports and educational awards, though those can sometimes get out of hand. I mean, when we do work that God assigned us, and we see the good that that work did, the focus has to be on doing what God said and God giving us the victory, God's work, God's power, God's providence, not us. It is juvenile in thought and in words to take up such kind of boasting as I described earlier. And 1 Corinthians 3.21 says, uh, very plainly, let no one boast in men. Joshua helps us understand that kind of humility. And may I add, this matter of giving God the glory is not just a recommended best practice. When we do not give God the glory, we walk into trouble. It is a serious breach to do what God said or maybe even not do what God said in any event to take praise as if we were God or we did it. You remember Acts 12 and verse 23 about Herod who received the praise of men as a God. And you remember what the next verse says? Immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. That makes it very serious. We need to be like Joshua and give God the glory. We're simply doing what he said. Hold fast to God's word. Verse 6, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written. It is obvious just in this verse, God has spoken. 
As Darrell read earlier in Hebrews 1, God has spoken and God's will has been committed to writing. Through Moses, back as it pertains to Joshua's time, through Moses, God had given specific instructions written out for people to hear, to keep, and to do. And I want you to notice here, their strength is tied to their keeping and doing what God has written. Joshua doesn't want to pass from the earth without telling the people where their strength can be found. Respecting God's Word. That brings us right to the subject of Bible authority, doesn't it? Through the New Testament, God has spoken to us through Christ. Hebrews 1 verse 1. Our strength individually and as a group is directly connected to our respect for Bible authority. As we read the New Testament, there are examples of good behavior to imitate and bad behavior to shun. And those examples are written for our instruction. In the New Testament, there are direct commands. Do this. There are prohibitions. Do not do this. We read one a moment ago. Do you remember? Do not boast in men. So there are commands and prohibitions. Our strength comes through obeying the commands and honoring the prohibitions. All through the text of the New Testament, various messages are implied and attitudes are enjoined upon Christians. We cannot be strong without those. We cannot be strong if we do not respect Bible authority because Bible authority simply means this. You can define it in three words. God has spoken. Are we listening? Are we doing what He said? This is simple. If Jesus is the head of His church and all authority has been given to Him and He caused men to write the New Testament, how can we be careless? We must act as authorized by Him. So, this takes me to the next point from Joshua chapter 23. Give heed to God's warnings. I'm always talking to you about getting the main idea when you read a paragraph in the Bible. Let the context inform how, what you conclude about the main idea. But sometimes you look into a passage and the main idea is just written right there in front of you in a word or a phrase. And here it is in verse 11, be very careful, Joshua said. When you look back through the history of the conquest of Canaan, it was not by carelessness that they enjoyed God's gift of success. For instance, I'm going to go back to chapter 6 for a moment. For instance, in their victory over Jericho, you remember all they were commanded to do? And maybe you remember the first time you ever heard that or read that, you thought it strange. You didn't identify it as military strategy. 
In Joshua chapter 6, beginning at verse 2, The Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city. All the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests will bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priest shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn... When you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout. And the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. I heard a preacher one time, a gospel preacher talking about this. And he said, if you could go back and listen in to the conversations among the Israelites when they first heard those orders, what do you think you'd hear? You'd likely hear one man saying to another, this isn't going to work. And besides that, you know, after we've already started marching, we're really going to be tired. We're not going to have any time off. How's this going to bring Jericho down? Walking? This is not military strategy. Anyone acknowledges? We've never heard of this before. But we know that Joshua insisted they carefully follow the instructions God gave. And we all remember the song we learned in Bible classes when we were children, that the walls came tumbling down. Today, when we are careful to seek truth from Scripture and apply Bible authority, sometimes people get impatient. Is that really important? That we follow Scripture in this matter or in that particular practice? And you may even hear statements. Does God really care that we follow His Word this closely? Well, the answer to that is very simple. Give heed to God's warnings. And to that I would attach, if God said it, it is important before my evaluation of it. In fact, I don't get to evaluate what God says. If God has given us the way, that must be the way we go. Be careful about knowing and doing His Word. It is our lives, our strength, our mission, our message. I need to be careful what I think and what I read and watch and who I associate with and what I say and how I worship and how I react to suffering because God has warned us of disobedience. And this care that we're talking about must always take us to Scripture. We are warned by the example here in Joshua 23 to hold fast to God's Word and be very careful and you'll be strong. But if you transgress, you remember what it said? All these consequences that came upon national Israel, if you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which He commanded you, and go and serve other gods. Now, Let's explore another dimension of it. 
Why would I give heed to these warnings? Well, here's what we ought to consider. Look at verse 14. Not one word has failed. Not one word has failed. Let's revisit the Israelite camp again and listen in again. You might hear someone says, uh, you might hear someone say, is God really going to give us this land flowing with milk and honey? Is this really going to happen? And you may remember that, I didn't just make this up, you may remember the account of the spies and that the majority expressed their skepticism. There is little doubt that others, in addition to those skeptical spies, suffered through some doubts. Can God really do this? Will He keep His word uh, going forward now that we are in the land? Joshua says, look at what God has done already. When you consider His works and His word and His warnings, look at what He's done already. Joshua says, not one word has failed. Now, for us, this can be encouragement to trust God. Let me ask, when you trust someone, does that trust just begin out of nothing? We trust people who have demonstrated over time that they are trustworthy. Trust is based on our knowledge of the person and their history in keeping their word. Well, when you read the Bible, you discover God has an absolutely perfect record of doing what He says. He is worthy of our trust, our praying to Him, our worship, our work as His people, our daily obedience and our growth. We are engaged in all of that because we know God can be trusted. And so, when we look back over His works, we give Him credit. We hold fast to His Word, and we give heed to His warnings, because we know He's trustworthy. We know that obedience will be rewarded, and that disobedience will bring consequence. Here's what I want to do. Listen again. Joshua 23. A long time afterward, when the Lord had given rest to Israel from all their surrounding enemies, and Joshua was old and well advanced in years, Joshua summoned all Israel, its elders and heads, its judges and officers, and said to them, I'm now old and well advanced in years. And you have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. For it is the Lord your God who has fought for you. Behold, I have allotted to you as an inheritance for your tribes those nations that remain, along with all the nations that I've already cut off from the Jordan to the great sea in the west. The Lord your God will push them back before you and drive them out of your sight, and you shall possess their land just as the Lord your God promised you. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor to the left, that you may not mix 
with these nations remaining among you, or make mention of the names of their gods, or swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God, just as you have done this day. For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as He promised you. Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. If you turn back and cling to the remnant of those nations remaining among you and make marriages with them so that you associate with them and they with you, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. But they shall be a snare and a trap for you, a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good ground that the Lord God has given you. And now I am about to go the way of all the earth. And you know in your hearts and souls, all of you, that not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, so the Lord God will bring upon you all the evil things until He has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you if you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which He commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that He has given to you. Now, we do not anticipate an earthly, physical plot of land. We have something better. What God has promised to us is the heavenly Canaan, the ultimate promised destination. God will make good on that promise to those who are washed in the blood of the Lamb and who remain strong and courageous trusting in God's faithfulness, cleaving to His commands, knowing it will all be perfect for us someday. That will be the first of endless days. Let's be standing as we sing. <coughs> like a river